Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Oh, thank you, Father. How blessed we are. How many can lift a hand and say, The Lord has been good to me. So good. Oh, hallelujah. He has. Uh, if it had not been for the Lord, we would have fallen and not risen again. But here we are. I said, here we are. Clothed and in our right mind. <laughs> Got so many good things in our life for which we are thankful. Hallelujah. Let me say hello to our, our churches in Branson and in Sarasota. We're so glad that you are, you have joined us here in, uh, Newcastle, right? In Newcastle tonight. So we got a lot of folks in the house. <coughs> our church in Branson, Missouri is joining us live. And then also our church in Sarasota, Florida is joining us live right now. And also, there's a bigger crowd than both of them put together on our live stream that join us. So there's a lot more folks in the house than you can, you can see tonight. And the Spirit of God is everywhere the same. Hallelujah. The Spirit of God is everywhere the same. Glory to God. So let's just present ourselves to the Lord and say, have your way. Father, in Jesus' name, we agree together, all of us here in this place and in Branson and Sarasota and all over the country and in other countries, we join together in asking you for utterance, asking you for direction and unction and anointing, asking you for all of us to have eyes that see and ears that hear and a heart that can discern and understand and receive. We're asking for answers for right now. We're asking for direction for now and the next steps in your plan and, and the, the revelation of your purpose and your will for us. Anything you don't like, help us to see it. We want to change it. Anything we should start doing, reveal it to us. Anything we should change, we are yours. We are your. Everybody said out loud, I am yours. I am yours. To, command, sir. to command, sir. Jesus, Jesus. Is, my Lord. is my Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. If He is your Lord, then you are not your own Lord. Amen. You don't run your own life. Amen. He is our Lord. Amen. Praise God. You can be seated. Thank you, Lord. <clears throat> the Lord gave me a song some years ago when Phyllis and my wife and I were trusting Him about some things we needed financially. This was actually back uh, 30 years ago plus when we were in Bible school. And uh, we, we were living week to week, day to day, uh, believing for our tuition money, believing for our rent, believing for every tank of gas. And we were kind of up against it. We, we needed some things, and we didn't have it, and we didn't know where it would come from. But we're learning faith. 
And we're learning how to trust God. And uh, in doing so, I I was sitting on our little couch in our uh, little rented apartment in the rough part of town. And uh, uh, I, I had learned... I was beginning to learn, like David, that when you, uh, when you were up against something, he would say to his soul, soul, magnify the Lord. Right? And you remember in one of the roughest times in his life, he encouraged himself in the Lord. You don't need to wait on somebody else to do it. Because they may or may not. You wait on somebody else, they may not come. But you can encourage yourself in the Lord, and as I begin to do that, He gave me this song. I'm going to sing for you right now. And uh, He brought us through. And we got our tuition paid, and we paid our rent, and next thing to the next thing. Hallelujah. And so as we sing this, I want you to sing it with me as soon as you learn the words. And uh, it's not just enough to believe that God is real, God is big, God can do things. You must believe that He loves you enough that He will use His great ability to help you. And that's why faith works by love. And not just knowing how big He is and what He can do, but knowing how much He loves me causes you to trust Him. Go ahead, guys. Roll that for us, please. Oh, hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Lord. You're so good. Oh, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, I do. Because I know you love me. I will always trust in you. Everybody say, I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do. I never even worry that I might not make it through because I trust you, I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do. Because I know you love me. I will always trust in you. I don't need to understand all about the workings of your plan. I don't have to always see everything that lies ahead of me. But as long as I can know I'm in the power of your hand. I can believe you are going to make me stand. Everybody say, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, I do. I never even worry that I might not make it through because I trust you. I trust you, I trust you, Lord, I do, 
Because I know you love me, I will always trust in you. Oh, yes, I do. Don't need to understand about the workings of your plan. I don't have to always see everything that lies ahead of me. But as long as I can know I'm in the power of your hand, I can believe you are going to make me stand. Everybody say, oh, I trust you. Oh, I don't even worry. Cause I know I can count on you every day, every night. You'll make it turn out right. Hallelujah. Sing it out loud. Oh, I trust you. I trust you. I trust you, Lord, I do. Never even worry that I might not make it through. Cause I trust you. Oh, I trust you. Trust you, Lord, I do. Cause I know you love me. Because I know you care for me. Because I know you love me, I will always trust. I will always trust. I will always trust in you. Yes, I do. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Thank you, Lord. Glory to God. Do you trust Him, saints? Oh, we're so thankful. We're so appreciative. Can you say with me, He's brought me through again and again and again. No one ever trusted in Him and was made ashamed. Never has happened. Never will. Because he is faithful. Oh, somebody say, I call him faithful. I call, I call him faithful. Faithful. Hallelujah. Praise God. I feel pretty comfortable up here preaching and ministering to you. You? I, I, I feel kind of like being at home, I mean. Thank you. For receiving us like you have. And I know our folks at home are, are shouting too. They're, we're all in the house. If you weren't with us last night, we went into some detail about what it means to love God. And I want to pick up there and continue on. But let me say uh, about materials, you heard some things about series of teaching, CDs, DVDs. If you want any of those things, <clears throat> you can go to our website. You can download everything we got. Music, teaching, won't cost you a penny. 
down, get all you want. And, uh, <coughs> yeah. And if you, if you want hard copies, contact the ministry and they, they'll send them to you. It won't cost you anything. And, uh, here at the church, we have, we brought some materials with us. And we will sow those to you after the service. Won't cost you anything. But if you would just receive like one per couple or house, they'll go further that way. And if you want something else, like you know how to get it. We have a saying around the church, no cost means no excuse. No excuse for not, for not knowing it, not getting it. You can't say I couldn't afford it. So, uh. Uh, take advantage of, of, of the ministries of, in the church here and our ministry and other ministries like you heard tonight. Don't, don't wait till something slaps you crossways and then try to figure out what to do. Get, get built up. Get built up. And, and the Lord is never taken by surprise about anything. He will have you ready ahead of time. He'll have you prepared. And instead of struggling through a thing, you will soar through a thing. And God will get the glory. God will get the glory. Turn with me to two openings, please, in the Scriptures. Two openings. Romans, the 8th chapter. And then also 1 Corinthians 8. Romans chapter 8. And 1 Corinthians chapter 8. Give me some more of that water there, Mike. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Romans 8, verse 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to His purpose. Last night we got into some about uh, how that you'll hear sometimes people quote part of this verse and not the whole verse. And they'll say, well, we know everything is working out for the good, for the best. And if you just say it like that, you leave a wrong impression. That everything is going to work out for the best for everybody in every situation. It's just not true. Everything is not working out for the best for everybody. And people leave the idea and impression I mean, it sounds good. It sounds like you're honoring God to say God is in control. He's in complete control of everything, and people emphasize it. And then everything that happens, people will say, well, God was in control, so he must have had a reason. He must have had a reason for that tornado ripping through that mobile home park and killing those children. He must have had a reason. For this and that other thing happened. Well, no, God is not killing children with tornadoes. No, He's not. People, people get all wide eyed and go, "Well, you better watch what you're saying." God's in control. No, you need to watch misrepresenting God and disrespecting God. A lot of you have fathers that you love and respect. 
And what if somebody told on your good daddy that he's a killer, he's a murderer, he, he's a thief, he's a this and that? Would that bother you or not? Don't talk about my daddy like that. I'm talking about my heavenly father. Don't, don't, don't talk about him like that. Jesus said, it's the thief that comes to steal and kill and destroy. He said, I'm come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Why don't we believe what Jesus said? If it's stealing, if it's killing, if it's destroying, it's not God. I said, it's not God. It's the enemy. And so, a lot of things are happening in the, in the earth that are not good. They're evil. They're not good. And God's not in it. There's a whole lot of things on the planet. God is not in it. Now, if you're talking about the overarching plan of God, like you read prophecies fulfilled... There's going to come a time when all this is going to be done and the master's going to come back. And you read about what's in Revelation. Then, yeah, he's in control of that. Amen. And the will of God's going to be done. Amen. And the plan of God's going to be fulfilled no matter what men do or don't Amen. do. But, but, if you're talking about he's controlling what every man and woman is doing in every part of their life, it is not true. Amen. God didn't decide this morning whether you had a Pop-Tart or cornflakes. And there's a thousand other decisions he didn't make either. We really do have a free will and can choose. If this is, sounds new to you, we got a series the Lord gave us some, some years back called You Choose. And if you'll go through all the scriptures with us, I believe you'll see it. I had a fellow send me a testimony right after we did that series. He said, I followed your ministry for some time, and I got this new series. I thought, man, I'm going to be so excited about it. He said, I listened to the first couple of, uh, of messages, and it made me so mad about cussed, he said. He said, and I just took that series and throwed them in the trash. <laughs> Throw them in the trash. Because I, I was coming against these sacred cows. Of God's in control. And he must have had a reason. Come on, are you listening? And some of these things. And he said the Lord dealt with him. Well, do what he said. Look at the scriptures. Prove him wrong. Because I challenged. I said, look, prove me wrong. Not with your opinion. We don't care about your opinion. Scriptures. Right? Scriptures. So he did. He dug them out. And he said it took him a while. But he came around. And he said, I've been believing wrong all these years. This is not right. Look at what the Bible says. Hmm. But there is a group of people that things are going to turn out good for. Not everybody. But who? Come on, help me out. Who? Those that love God. Hallelujah. Am I talking to some of those people in here tonight? I believe so. Go. 1 Corinthians 8, look at that. 1 Corinthians 8 and 2. If any man think that he knows anything, he knows nothing yet as he ought to know. But 
If any man love God, the same is known of him, of God. He's contrasting knowledge to love. Knowledge is not love. Knowledge is not faith. Just because you know scriptures doesn't mean you believe them. And just because you know some things about God, and there are people who who've been to school all their life and know a lot of stuff, things about God, and yet they don't know Him and is evidenced by their lack of love for Him. We could never impress God with our knowledge. God is not going to be moved towards you because you know so much. Amen. The most knowledgeable among us is Ned in the first reader compared to God. Anybody know what I mean by that? I mean, you, you, you are beginner, beginner, beginner. Go with me, please, to John chapter 5, I believe it is. And notice this, John 5, down about verse 39 The biggest problem that Jesus had when he was on the earth was with religious people. That was the biggest issues he had. The people that were supposed to be God's representatives, the doctors of the law and the scribes and the Pharisees. Well, the doctors of the law and the scribes are the educated people. They're people that had been to school. They, they could read and write. Most people in those days could not read or write. They could read and write, sometimes multiple languages. And they spent their life studying the Scriptures. And yet, these are the people Jesus had trouble with. Amen. <laughs> in, in chapter 5, uh, <clears throat> Verse uh, verse 39, he tells these individuals, he said, search the scriptures. Now, that'd be almost like slapping these guys. <laughs> because what do they do every day? Search the scriptures. Talk to the scriptures. Did you know the devil quotes scriptures? Hmm? Just because you hear a scripture quoted does not mean anything about what that person is saying and doing is automatically right. A lot of times people will hear a scripture and then they'll just accept it. Because why? Because they quoted a scripture. Well, the devil quotes scriptures. Scriptures can be quoted by a right spirit or a wrong spirit. Scriptures can be rightly divided and they can be misused. Amen. Hmm? There's some folks 
know enough, just enough scripture to be mean. Huh? They, they will hurt you. They will take stuff from you. They will abuse you and give you scriptures why it's okay. Devilish. 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 So he tells them, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. So did they or not? And they are they which testify of me. These scriptures that you study all the time, he said they're talking about me. Keep reading. And uh, you won't come to me that you might have life. I receive not honor from men, but I know you that you have not the love of God in you. Isn't that something? I know you. You don't have the love of God in you. Now, in, in meditating on these things, I... I learned something, and I want to pass it on to you. The phrase, the love of God, just that phrase, the love of God, is used to describe a number of different things in the New Testament. And you really have to look at the context to see what he's talking about. Let me read another translation to this, and you'll see what I mean. In the Weymouth translation, he said, I know you well, and I know that in your hearts you do not really love God. The complete Jewish Bible, he says, I know you people, and I know that you have no love for God in you. The the leaders of the synagogue. When you hear that, when you read the phrase, the love of God, it can mean at least three different things in the New Testament. The same phrase. It can either mean God's love in us. It can mean God's love for us. Or it can mean our love for God. And see, in this case, it said, you have not the love of God in you. If you look at a number of other translations, you see actually he's talking about you don't have love for God. I want to say that again. Those of you that read your scriptures, this will help you, I'm telling you. When you see the phrase, the love of God, you need to look at the context to see what he's talking about. Is he talking about God's love in us? Or is he talking about God's love for us? Or our love for him? You have to see, because of the way the English is is done, and the King James especially, you have to look at the context. But here's people who, this is their profession. This is their life, leading people in the study of the scriptures, and they don't have the love for God. Last night we went into detail looking and seeing Jesus reprimanded them and said, You love the long robes. You love to be called rabbi, 
Rabbi, Master, you, you love titles. You love the chief seats, the best seats at the functions. You know, there are people who love church. They love the singing. They love people seeing them and thinking they're spiritual. But none of that is the same as loving God. Amen. Amen. This is a very big deal. Very big thing. Who things going to turn out good for? He said, eye has not seen, ear has not heard. It hadn't entered into the heart of men the things that God has prepared for. That same group of people, those that love Him. When you love Him, it said He knows you. He knows those that trust Him. If you really got something in your heart of love for Him... He knows it. Amen. He sees it. Amen. And it gives you a rapport and an access with Him. Did you know that God is both a God who hides Himself, Isaiah says, and He's a God who reveals Himself? Somebody said, well, I thought He just reveals. No, no. You remember people talking to Jesus his, his disciples would ask him sometimes about the parables he shared. And, and they said, what did that mean? And he would explain it to them. And they said, well, why did you say it in a parable? He said, because to you it's given, but it's not given to them. Well, what do you mean? People say, well, as far as I can tell, there's no proof of God. You ever heard people say ignorant things like that? Yeah. Prove to me that God exists. Not my job. <laughs> That's not my job. <clears throat> That's like an ant defending a tank. <laughs> God does not need me to prove his existence. My existence is proof of his existence. So is yours. No proof of God. Everything around you is proof of God. The air you breathe, the planet you stand on, the sun that shines on your face. No proof of God is a willing ignorance. Is a choice not to believe. Can you take some more of this? Amen. Go go to Romans, the first chapter, and let's let's get a little more into this. <clears throat> Don't get embroiled in strife. The man of God, the scripture says, must not strive. What does that mean? Do not let people wrangle with you and argue with you. The Bible talks about situations where you don't even need to talk to people about it. Why? Because there's a lot of folks who don't have ears to hear. 
no matter how perfectly you could explain it to them, they're not going to get it. Because it's not a matter of ignorance. It's a matter of rebellion. And when the Lord said, he that has ears to hear, let him hear, what determines a hearing ear? What's the difference between a person who hears and a person who doesn't hear? We could go into a lot of detail, you know, but basically it has to do with the heart. The condition of the heart determines whether you can hear or not. A willing heart makes a hearing ear. And if you're unwilling, you can't hear it. And you can't see it. It's not because it's not real. It's because you're spiritually blind and deaf. Amen. In Romans 1, the Bible said, verse uh, 17, Romans 1, 17, the righteousness of God is revealed. How? How is it revealed? From faith to faith. You could say it like this. No faith, no revelation. No believe no see-y. <laughs> so well, seeing is believing. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That's another completely untrue thing that people popular, popularize saying. We walk by faith, not by sight. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Seeing has got nothing to do with believing. Once you see it and feel it, it's too late to believe it. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. You're in faith when you don't see it. But if you don't believe, you won't see. You won't see. And it won't be because it's not there. And I don't care how intelligent you think you are. It's got nothing to do with that. You just won't see it. This book is a closed book to an unbelieving heart and mind. People will read it and they just stumble through it and they don't understand it and they think they see all kind of contradictions and it makes no sense to them. But there's nothing wrong with the book. There's something wrong with them. Hardness of heart. Dullness of understanding. Spiritual blindness. Come on, can you see this? But when you begin to believe, the lights come on. When you start, when your heart softens and you begin to humble yourself underneath his mighty hand and power and you begin to believe before you see, then you will see. Seeing will be, light will begin to come to you and in his light you'll get more light. And the more faith you have, the more you see. And then more faith comes. 
It's revealed. How? Come on, look at your scripture. It's revealed from faith to faith. Phyllis and I, we've been on this journey for, uh, you know, 35 plus years now. It just keeps getting better. The path gets getting brighter and brighter. The more we believe, the more we see. The better it gets, we believe even more. We see more. We can do more and have more. And one of these days, we're going to step right off into glory. You too? But when people say, I don't see any proof of God. All that does is show how blind you are. Show how hard your heart is. How unbelieving you are. And it's not our job to prove anything to you. God could stick his face in the sky tomorrow morning and see it. You could see it from coast to coast. He could say, I am God. And there wouldn't be a doubting soul on the planet. I wish he would do it. He purposely does not do it. If he revealed himself any more than he's doing right now, it would take away faith. He purposely is not doing it. He's not revealing himself to people who don't believe in him. But he is revealing himself to people who not only believe him, but love him. The Bible tells us to be the same way. Would it be wrong acting like God? You got a better example? Said, so don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. What's he talking about? Pigs have no appreciation of fine pearls. Amen. They don't know the difference between that and a, and, a, and a rock. So if you if you you know if you come home crying, you know Arnold uh, trumped my ten thousand dollar string of pearls in the mud. Well, it's because you're dumb. Why did you give them to him? Right. Or your dog. I know maybe you think your dog is saved. (laughs) But your dog don't know the difference between the Bible and a magazine or a newspaper. Hmm? Don't give that which is holy. What's it saying? He's not talking about animals. He's talking about don't give precious things to people who don't appreciate them. You've you got things that are precious to you. And you're just trying to throw them at people that's mocking you. Stop it. Stop it. I know you love them. I know you want to help them. But that's not how it works. That won't help them. A lot of times you've got to realize folks are not ready for you. You're not the one for them. And that's especially true with family. With family. A lot of folks, they wouldn't hear even if they thought it was right. Just because it was you. Because it's coming through you. They wouldn't want to admit that you know something that they don't know. Or that you were right and they were wrong just because it's you. But you are not the only one God can use. 
that doesn't mean they can't get what they need. But a lot of times you, you need to back off. You, you need to be relaxed. You know, any guy, have I got any fishermen in here? Anybody likes to fish? <laughs> well, you don't, you, you don't just take your, your reel and your lure and go, bite it. <laughs> bite it, I said, bite it. It's not how it works. It's not how it works. You got to get it out there. Lay it where they can see it. Move it around. Make them want it. Is that right? Make them want it. The Lord said, I'll make you fishers of men. Didn't he say that? I know Phyllis, my wife, used to work in doctor's offices before she went full-time in the ministry with me. She was on the phone with an insurance guy one time. And they were put on hold because they were waiting on a transaction to, to happen. And so uh, he began to tell her that he had went on a date with somebody and they were crazy. <clears throat> they went to this church where they talked in tongues. Because <laughs> he got no idea who he's talking to. Or <laughs> and... Uh, so he rattled, he went on and on about it. So finally she was quiet and so he asked her, so do you go to church? She said, yeah. <laughs> well, surely you don't believe in all that. She said, oh, we're, we're some of the ringleaders. <laughs> Isn't that tongue talking, miracle believing, healing, praying for the sick? She said, that, that's us. Oh, yeah, that's that's us to the to the nines, to the hill. So he he says, Well, I nah, that ain't I don't believe in any of that stuff. He said, I think I may be the Antichrist. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> and after a little bit, he said, So I reckon you're gonna pray for me, huh? She said, Oh no. <laughs> no. She said, What good would it do to pray for the Antichrist? <laughs> try to push precious things off on people who don't want to hear them. Because they can't hear them anyway until their heart changes. And that's up to them. That's not up to you. You can't control. I know you want to, but you can't. And after a little bit, he said, she said, he said to her, well, no, you're really going to pray for him, aren't you? She said, no. What good would it do? And for the conversation is over, he said, No, really, I, I want you to pray for me. <laughs> well, now she can. Can you see? Now she can. <laughs> I know I was on a plane, commercial airliner, some years ago, and the guy was sitting beside me. And he was drinking, man, and he was lit up, and he was, you know, flirting with everybody, and he's cussing, and, and uh, I, 
I was going to have a service in a few hours, so you know. <laughs> and uh, I, uh, he looked over at me and he said, uh, so what are you doing and what you got there? And, and he looked and he said, oh, is that a Bible? I said, yeah, yeah. He said, so you're one of them Christians, I guess. I said, yeah. <laughs> and I just knew in my heart, don't try to witness to him right now. He's not, he's not wanting anything. He's being disrespectful. He, made, he actually made fun of my, my clothes. I had some suspenders on. And, and, what are you laughing about? They match my tie. I had some nice suspenders on. They matched my tie. I had a pocket square. I was, I was doing all right. And, and he, he just made fun of me. Loud. And so he, and a little bit later, he looked over and he said, I reckon you believe all that. I said, yeah. And a little bit later, he said, I guess you... I guess you think everybody ought to believe all that. I said, yep, they need to. <laughs> well, I don't know. He went on about a bunch of stuff and different beliefs and different groups and all this kind of stuff. I didn't answer him one word. Don't cast your pearls before swine. Don't give that which is holy to the dogs. And he said, well, I guess you think your group's right about everything. I know I don't know everything. He kept trying to get something out of it. He wanted to argue. He wanted to, you know. And I just wouldn't do it. Finally, towards the end of the flight, he looked at me and big old tears come up in his eyes. He said, my mama raised me better than this. <laughs> He said, I know better than all this cussing and carrying on. He said, my mama took me to church. <laughs> he said, but everybody, everybody thinks their, their religion is right. No, it's just a bunch of mess. And I, he said, but I, I know I ain't living right. <laughs> and I knew I could talk to him now. He was wanting me to debate scriptures and all that kind of stuff. I closed the Bible. I set it aside. I didn't quote one verse to it. I just began to tell him what the Lord had done for me personally in my life. How he had helped me through tough situations and how he had loved me and what he had done for me. Hallelujah. And I witnessed to what God had done for me. Hallelujah. And he wanted me to pray with him before we got out. <clears throat> In Romans 1, are you still there? <clears throat> Romans 1. He said, verse 18, The wrath of God revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth and unrighteousness. Because that which may be known of God is manifest in, or that could be to them, 
for God has showed it to them. For the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. The heavens declare the glory of God. The mountains speak of his majesty. The oceans, his vastness. No proof of God. There's nothing but proof of God. Everywhere you look, unless you choose to be ignorant of it. He goes on to say, because that when they knew God. Now that doesn't mean they were born again and knew God. When they recognized God, they glorified Him not as God and they weren't thankful. And they became vain in their imaginations and their foolish heart was darkened. And professing themselves to be wise, they became fools. I don't care how hard a person may be. If they went with a false religion or if they decided they, they pursued intellect and they decided that everybody that needs religion is just a fool and, and emotional crutch user. There was a time, might have been when they were a child or a teenager, for at least a moment they saw God. Whether it was their breath or a thought or creation there was something. And I don't care where you are, I don't care where you were born or how you grew up, everybody on the planet, according to this chapter, sees that. And depending on what you do with it determines what happens next. If you acknowledge, no matter how ignorant you may be or how bad your life may have been, if you acknowledge that little spark of light and go, yeah, there must be a God. More will come. You'll begin to see more. You'll begin to understand more. But if you harden your heart and say, I refuse to accept it, that's it. Darkness for you could be the rest of your life, which is very brief. Aren't you thankful, saints of God? Aren't you thankful that by the grace and mercy of God, there was a point where you said, yes, I will acknowledge God. Yes, I believe in Jesus. Is that right? And what has happened from faith to faith, revelation to revelation, light to light, you not only learned God's real, you learned He loved you. You learned Jesus already paid for all your sins. And you learned He'd heal you too. And you learned He'd pay your bills. Even give you a new car. Put you in a house. But I don't know about all that. Well, you keep on thinking like that. It won't happen for you. But if you'll be open to how good He is. And be willing to believe what He said. More light will come. And more faith will come. And your vision will enlarge. And your life will get better. And not only will you have your needs met, God will be able to use you to do for others. It's His will for every one of us. Every one of us. Go to John 14, please. John 14. 
John 14, verse 15. I want us to uh, begin to get into some practical application now. A lot of people say they believe God loves them. And a lot of people would say they love God. And many would think, well, you can't know whether somebody loves God or not. That's in my heart. God knows my heart. He sure does. (laughs) People say that like that's an awesome thing. God knows my heart. Well, that could be good or bad what he knows about your heart. It's quiet now. Well, it's true. But these things are much more evident than many would think. Are you reading in the scriptures what Jesus said? John 14, 15. What do you say? If you love me, keep my commandments. Or we could just say, do what I say. If you love me, do what I say. Keep reading. He, he, he continues this. He elaborates. He said, I'll pray the Father. He'll give you another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it what? You got to see him. Before you can receive him. And how are you going to see him? When you believe. You're not going to see until you're willing to believe. See the, you know, wrong hearts will say, prove it to me and I'll believe it. That'll never work. That's not how God has, has ordained it. You believe and then he'll show you something. Amen. So when people challenge you, prove it to me. Don't even start with them. Don't even try. Don't. Because they're going to have to have a heart change. Or they won't even be able to see it. It can be right in front of them. And them not see it. Because a wrong heart, a rebellious heart, an unteachable heart, makes an unhearing ear. A deaf ear spiritually and a blind eye. You you can't see it. They genuinely, a lot of times people, they act like they don't even see it. They don't. They can't see it. Because of their heart condition. It sees him not, neither knows him. But you know him. For he dwells with you. And shall be in you. And we're in that day. Where he not only is with us, but he's in us. Amen. Hallelujah. Is he in you? I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you yet a little while and the world sees me no more. But you see me because I live, you shall live also. Hallelujah. At that day you shall know that I'm in the Father and you in me and I in you. And then he says it again. He that has my commandments... And keeps them. You don't just know them. Didn't just hear them. You didn't just take notes on them. You don't just have the series or the book. You did it. 
you put it into practice, he it is that loves me. <clears throat> Who loves him? People like to imagine, oh, I love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Well, are you doing what he told you to do? If you're not, it's just empty talk. That's not my idea. That's what he said. Right? Love for him is much more discernible than people think. But I love the Lord, but I love him in my own way. <laughs> you, you could just hear rebellion all over that. I don't need to go to any church. I just, I worship the Lord in my own way. And the Lord knows my heart. Rebellion, rebellion, rebellion. I mean, just as good a Christian as you and anybody staying at home reading my Bible. You can't be a good Christian ignoring the Bible. The Bible said, don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Amen. It said he gave us gifts. I mean, scripture after scripture after scripture. It's not right. It's not true. These are people who love something else more than they love God. It can be as simple as loving sleeping late. I know it paints a bad picture. But people love to sleep late more than they love God. <laughs> people love all kind of things. They love golf more than they love God. If they didn't, they'd be serving on Sunday morning. Or wherever the Lord told them to be at that time. People who never have time. For God, they just don't love Him. Amen. At least not much. I know it's a strong word, but I didn't say it. Are you with me? It applies to me. It applies to you. Right? How do we know we love Him? We do what He says. Oh, but look at the results. Look at the results. He that has my commandments and keeps them, he it is that loves me. And he that loves me shall be loved of my Father. And I will love him. Somebody said, I, I, thought, they, I thought they already loved us. He's talking about manifesting his love to expressing his love in your life. Which is what the very next phrase says, and I will manifest myself to him. There are people that live and die on the planet. And for us, what they're experiencing, it'll be to them like God does not exist. And it's their own fault. But to a man or woman that'll believe in him and really love him and love him enough that when he tells them to do something... They actually do it. God will manifest himself. They will sense his presence in their house, in their car. God will get involved in their business, in their finances. Come on, are you with me? In their body, with their children and their grandchildren. 
God will actually do things and manifest himself. And the more you believe in him, and the more you love him, and the more you obey him, the stronger the manifestations get. And miracles happen. I said miracles happen. God gets so involved in your life until it's you and him every morning, noon, and when the sun goes down. It's you and him, and you and him, and you and him. And it's not just a matter that you learned some principles about faith and got smart and know how to push this button and pull this lever and get God to do stuff for you what you want. Mm -mm, mm -mm. It's you died to what you want. (laughs) Come on, are you with me? You, You just quit making plans of your own and just go to him first and ask him what is the plan. And you love him more than you do life itself. You'd live for him. You'd die for him. Come on, are you with me? Hallelujah. And in that case, God knows those who love him. He knows them in the biblical sense. He knows them. In them experiencing his love and his presence. Oh, friend, when you know you've done what the Lord told you to do and you know he's pleased with you, the sky is bluer, the grass is greener, everything is more better. Do you believe it, friends? How do you know who loves him? How do you know? Go with me over here. Can you take some more tonight? Are you you okay? Go with me to two openings. Go with me to 1 John 2. And then I think we'll go to Matthew 19. This is not a time to, to feel bad. It's a time to see the glorious opportunity in front of you. If your life has been dull and boring, and unexciting. That's entirely your fault. <laughs> if, if you are, are bored, it's because you're not doing some things you're supposed to be doing. You with me? If we're going to follow the Lord all the way, it'll take everything you've got. I said, it'll take everything you got, and then you're going to have to believe God on top of that. And it might be rough on your flesh sometimes, but I guarantee you, it won't be boring. It'll be exciting, because you'll be stretching, and you'll be reaching, and you'll be occupied. But if you love other stuff more than you love Him, 
I don't care how much you love shopping or golf or boating or whatever it is. You can't enjoy anything like it should be enjoyed without the Lord's presence. <clears throat> you, you can't even enjoy a, good, a new car unless the Lord's in the front seat there with you. I'm telling you, you can't. You try, but try as you might, you're going to realize that one guy, somebody was asking him, this was several years ago, he was going to get one of these brand new Porsche turbos, a very exclusive model. Even back then it was 120 something thousand dollars and that was 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Nasty, what was the greatest thing about getting that car? He said the three days before I got it. <laughs> The three days before I got, oh, he enjoyed it, but especially after a month or two, it's a car. It can get chipped in the parking lot, just like any old beater. Is that right? It's wearing out as we speak. Is that right? It's a car. Now, the Bible said the Lord gives us richly all things to enjoy. But that covetousness is idolatry. Brother Hagin said the Lord told him personally in a visitation. He said, I'm not opposed to my people being rich. I'm opposed to them being covetous. And that is things not being in their place. Hmm? If you're messing with your car on Sunday morning instead of being in church. Hmm? Now the Lord's not pleased with you. Come on, can you see that? But if you put him first, he don't care if you have five of them. If he's really first. And they they don't get in your way. And you'll do what he tells you to do with them. If he tells you to sell them, you sell them. They're gone. If he tells you to give them, you give them. Come on, are you with me? That's the big deal. Do you love it? I changed my vocabulary some years ago. The Lord showed me this. Love is such an important thing. God is love. Love is the New Testament commandment. And yet the world is so confused about love. And so it's used for everything. People love their favorite TV show. They love pizza. They love pie. They love, they love. I love my new car. I love my watch. I love, and the Lord, He helped me to see it. I said, I'm going to quit saying anything like that. Love should be reserved for God and people. Come on, are you with me? And it's not just a matter of being technical about what you say. You should never love a car. It'll never love you back. Will it? Oh, people get out there and rub them and my baby, my baby. Your baby ain't heard a word you said. And we'll never love you back. Do not love things. Period. You can enjoy them, but you don't love them. And you can have them or not have them. 
Are you with me, friends? And if not, they mean too much to you. This is also true with people. Now, you are to love people, but nobody as much as you love the Lord. Now, is that my idea? Or did the Lord say? Anybody that loves mother, father, sister, brother, is that right? Children, houses, land, more than me is not worthy of me. Is that that what he said? And you hear people say, oh, I just, I couldn't live without them. Don't ever say that. Don't ever say that. I don't care how much you love them and how important they are to you. They are not supposed to be the most important person in your life. And if they're not the most important person in your life, then you can live without them. I'm going to go over here and talk to this this side about it. I'm telling you, if you don't get this, you can set yourself up for unnecessary grief. Anybody in here believing to live a long time? Huh? Huh? 90, 100, 110, 120, huh? I heard some yeses. If you do, and it's available to you, you're going to go to a lot of funerals. You're going to go to a lot of funerals because you're going to outlive everybody around you. Amen. Or most. So why you want to confess for 30 years you can't live without them? And then when they go home, it's going to hit you like a house falling on you. Because you, you had your words on it for 30 years, 40 years, 50 years. No. The reason why, you see people, that cat or their dog go. And they're incapacitated with grief two years later. That's not all right. That's not all right. You know why? Because that dog had a part of their heart only God should have. It's all right. Enjoy your dog. But it's the same thing with any other person. Thank God for the people in our lives. They're gifts to us. But we ought, we got to know we all just got this much time together. Is that right? Just, just, just a little bit of time. And one of us is out of here, or both of us is out of here, right? I mean, Amen. it's coming. Yes. Don't stick your head in the sand. It's coming. Amen. It's nothing to be afraid of. Right. To Amen. depart and be with Christ is better than being here. Yes. Far better. But you see people, they look too much to ministers. And if a minister messes up, they quit church. They quit God. Well, that shows they didn't love the Lord enough to start with. Can you see this? Because if you love Him, no matter what somebody else does, you're not leaving Him. And everybody in your life should know, I love you, 
but don't make me pick between you and him. Don't, don't make me pick because I won't even have to wait to give you the answer. First John 2, did you get there? First John 2.15. Before we read that, I want you to say this out loud in connection with what we just got through talking about. I want you to say it out loud. God, God is, number one. is number one in my heart, in my, heart, in my, life. In my life. And I can, and I can do all things. Do all and deal with anything. And, deal with anything. and, overcome, anything. and overcome anything. By Christ Jesus. By Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Amen. Could you make it without them? I'm talking about without people. Could you, could you make it without that person that's so big in your life? Yeah, you can. Yeah, you'll, you'll feel it. You'll miss them. You might shed some tears, but you're not going to collapse. You're not going to crumble, and you're not going to be incapacitated three years later. Come on, are you listening? Besides that, if you're a believer and they're a believer, you're going to see them in about ten minutes, God time. Is that right? God time is going to be about ten minutes. Can you make it ten minutes? Finish your life? And when you see them, because they're experiencing time the way God does, I don't care if it was 50 years that you've been on the earth since they left, they'll, you'll see them, they'll go, you're already here. You're, you're already here. And then they're going to show you some things. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But our love for Him gives us the stability. It anchors our soul. And that's what Romans 8 is talking about. Not height, not depth, not any principality or power. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. And God is love. Nothing can overcome Him. That means I can make it through anything. If I got enough of my heart in Him and enough of my love in Him, enough of my faith in Him, if you put it in the wrong thing, you're going to experience an identity crisis. You're going to experience a collapse sooner or later. So let's get it right now. First John 2.15. What does it say? Love not the world. Neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world. See Here's that phrase again, the love of God. What does it mean in this instance? It means love for him. Can you see that? If any man love the if you love the world, it's taking the place of your love for the Father. And it's ignorant because the next verse, read the next verse. All that is in the world. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father. It's of the world. If you love something the Father despises, how's that going to affect your fellowship with Him? He don't even want to see it and be around it, and you want to look at it every day and be immersed in it. 17, 
The world passes away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God, because that's the same one that loves him. He that does the will of God abides forever. Why should I love a car? Why should you love a house? You can enjoy it, but don't love it. Don't give it a place in your heart that you love. I've seen people, I don't mean just once or, once or twice. I've, I'm probably thinking of a dozen different cases in the last 30, 40 years. People who missed God because they wouldn't leave a place. They wouldn't leave their house, their stuff, their schedule they had developed. They loved their life more than they loved God. They wouldn't obey Him. I've seen it repeatedly. Why would I love a thing? Uh, back years ago, I was teaching at Ramah. And uh, heard some students, overheard them talking in the cafeteria there. And they were young, young, young. And one of them was supposed to have been testifying, but he's really just bragging about all some stuff he had. And of course, you know, stuff and money doesn't prove you're spiritual. We don't know how you got that stuff. Is that right? <laughs> You can take a pistol and go get you some money. You say, right, we, or a car. We, we don't know how you got that stuff. <laughs> and uh, they're going on, and it was a little irritating the way they were doing it. And finally, this one guy that was in the little group huddle there, he spoke up. He said, well, he said, so what? Your pile of ashes will be bigger than mine. <laughs> Your pile of ashes... Is that true or not? It's all going to melt with fervent heat. Everything down here is like a gallon of milk with a date on it. Is that, is that right? Every, everything down here is only good for some temporary use. And then we're out of here. It is a fool thing. To love things. Come on, somebody said out loud, I don't love money. I use money. I don't love cars or boats or airplanes. I don't love houses or clothes or shoes or jewelry. I use them. I can give them away. I can sow them, sell them, take them, leave them. Freely I receive. Freely I give. I love God. I love the Holy Ghost. I love the Word of God. I love the Church of God. I love the people of God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to God. Go with me now. I said Matthew, but uh, 
For time's sake, go to John. John 21. It's not such a mystery to identify real Christians or real ministers, real people of God, without exception. The genuine ones love Him. It's not just talk. It's not just knowledge. They love Him. And if all they talk about is other stuff more than Him, they love that more than Him. Because where your treasure is, that's where your heart is, and out of the abundance of the heart, that's what you're going to talk about. If all you talk about is this, that's because that's what you care about the most. It, it's an indicator. It's a revealer. It's okay to talk about sports, but if that's all you talk about, you love it too much. Amen. It's okay to talk about things a little bit, but if you talk about it all the time, you're covetous. You want it too much. Come on, are you with me? He said, covet the best gifts. Is that right? There are some things we should covet, but it's not material things. It's the gifts of the Spirit. Hallelujah. It's, what is that? That's the manifesting of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Showing us things. Doing things in our hearts and minds and lives. Using us to help others. That's precious. You can't, you can't buy that. That's what we, that's what we talk about. That's what we desire. And when you talk about these things, they manifest. The more you talk about them, the more they manifest. I grew up in the country, down in Mississippi. And when I say country, I mean <clears throat> you had to drive towards town to hunt. <laughs> I'm joking. Country. But I enjoyed it. My dad, we lived in Jackson in the capital city for a little while, but uh, my, my dad didn't want us boys growing up there. There was problems in the street and some things around. So he commuted. He took us to the country and commuted. I enjoyed it. When I was a little boy, I thought I was Tarzan. <laughs> I had the yell down. I could, I could do it. And we literally swung from the trees. We would swim in places you, you should have never gone in. Snakes, alligators. We'd just splash around to scare them away. Then jump in. <laughs> but we also camp out. Of course, we're really out in the woods. And there are wild animals out there. And, and we'd have fun. and We'd run and play and we'd fish and whatever. And usually didn't catch much, so we had to have us some beans or something. that we. 
And so we're sitting around the campfire, and invariably, somebody's got to tell a scary story. And then somebody's got to top that one. And we had been running around all day. No fear. Should have even had some better sense. But talk about no fear. We did stuff you should not have done. Like I told you, swimming with alligators and snakes and, and swing from swing from trees way up, you know, 20, 30 feet off the ground. And who knows how long those vines are going to hold out. You, you know, one of these times it's going to break. Is that right? We knew it. We still did it. And survived to talk about it. No fear. Somebody say no fear. No fear. But we're sitting around the campfire telling these scary stories. You hear a twig snap? What was that? (laughs) Literally perceive the spirit of fear. Why? Because we started talking about it. Come on, can you see this? You started talking about it. And you started talking about it, got your mind on it, opened your heart up to it, Fear begins to manifest. Well, same thing is true when you talk about something good. The Bible said when Jesus had gone to the cross, before they knew he was raised from the dead, they were talking about him. Remember the two guys on the road to Emmaus? They were talking about him, and they look up, and he's there. And then later they're talking about him. He appears in their midst. While they're talking about it, I've seen it again. You begin to talk about how God has moved and and what He has done. I'm talking about what you love and and what you desire. And you start talking about these things. Next thing you know, you'll start sensing His presence. You'll start sensing, and then the gift of the Spirit will manifest. Can you see this, friends? The more we love Him, the more we'll talk what He wants us to talk. Think what he wants us to think. Do what he wants us to do. And he said, you love me and you do what I say, I will manifest myself. Didn't he say it? I'll manifest myself. Hallelujah. John 21, are you there? This is what has happened in this instance. Jesus has just raised from the dead. His disciples were at a loss to know what was coming next and what to do. So one of them said, I'm going fishing. And the indication was not maybe not just going fishing, but going back to the fishing profession. Well, what are they going to do? That's what they were doing before he showed up. And now he's gone. But as they were doing it, they saw somebody on the shore And he called to them and said, how's it going? Have you caught anything? He showed them where to fish. One of them said, it's the master. It's him. And boy, some of them jumped in the the water and swam. And they got there and Jesus had a a fresh baked fire roasted fish dinner ready for him. You know, he told them after he'd raised from the dead. He said, you got anything to eat around here? You remember that? 
He said, you got anything to eat around here? They said, I got some fish, got some honeycomb. He said, give me some. And he ate it. Because they weren't believing he was real. You just got a revelation. You can eat later. <laughs> Pass this life. Somebody got happy right there. You pass this life. You can eat food. Well, have you ever heard about the marriage supper of the Lamb? Who ever heard of a supper? Nothing to eat. You talking about putting on a plate, putting on a, a table. We're going to see something. But they come and they eat. And the fellowshipping with the master. And after they had dined, verse 15, John 21, 15, Jesus tells Peter, I want to talk to you. Now, Peter has had a rough few days. You know Jesus told them what was going to happen. And they said, we, why can't we go with you? And he said, no, you can't go right now. Peter said, I, I will die with you, but I want to go with you. And all of them said, we will, we will die. And, and, and Jesus said, will you die for me? He said, for the rooster crows, you will have denied that you know me three times. He said, no, no, I won't. But he did. And when he denied the third time, the Bible said the, the master turned and looked at him. I guess they were far enough maybe that. They couldn't talk, but he could see him. And Peter went out and wept and grieved. He did what he never thought he would do. He affirmed how much he loved the Lord and that he would live and die with him. But when it came down to it, he didn't. He was so concerned about his own life and he was so confused about why the Lord let them take him. He wasn't I mean, when it first started going down and they came to get him, everybody figured that, you know, at one point Jesus said, who are you looking for? They, they said, he said, I am. And they all fell to the ground. And everybody figured, hey, this is, this is how this is going to go down. And so Peter whipped out his blade and shaved off a fellow's ear and he, he means business is that right he's a fisherman he's not a soldier but he I believe he fully intended if need be I will die here tonight is that right defending the master but none of them thought they would need to they have seen miracles they have seen what the Lord can do and when he let them take him they were confounded they were completely lost and they're standing around out there trying to watch the trial and, and they just can't believe. Why doesn't he do something? Why is he letting them do this? And so when they hit him up, aren't you one of them? It caught him off guard. And he, he doesn't know what's going on. And have you, have you ever said something before you meant to say it? What came out of your heart was not what you wanted to come out. Fear, fear, fear. But his love that he insisted for the Lord did not show up. Now there's a lesson for us to learn there. It's easy to talk big talk. Amen. 
when you're sitting in the air-conditioned church with the, with the music playing. Come on, is that right? How far you will go for the Lord, what you will do for Him. But if you listen to the Lord, there'll be times He'll say, mm, you need to pray. And the Spirit's willing, but the flesh is weak. And when it comes right down to it, and you get pinned down at the workplace. Come on, you listening? Looks like maybe your job could be on the line if you give the wrong answer. Come on, are you with me? A lot of people have folded. So Peter, when it came down to it, he didn't, he didn't demonstrate that total commitment and love. And so now he sees the master. But I'm sure he still feels funny about it or bad. And after they get full of fish, Jesus says, Peter, come here. I want to talk to you. He always knows what's on your heart and mind. Doesn't he? Yeah. Amen. He said, uh, Peter, Simon Peter, son of Jonas, he addresses him by his full name and who his daddy is. I don't know about you, but when my mom used to call all three names, <laughs> it's time to quit acting crazy. <laughs> Serious now. Simon Peter, Simon son of Jonas, do you love me? Notice the rest of the phrase. More than these. I believe there's several things going on here. For one thing, he, he was very bold and brass saying that if all the other disciples didn't follow through, he was going to follow through. And yet he didn't. And now they got fish around him and he's going back to fishing. What do you love me? I believe it applies to all of it. Do you love me more than these? These is a list. More than your thoughts, your dreams, what people think about you, a money, a house, a place. Hmm? Come on, can you hear the Spirit of God? Do you love me calling your name? All three names. <laughs> Do you love me? It's easy to say yeah, but it can just be empty words. Do you love me more than these? Will you leave that job if I tell you to? Will you relocate to another part of the world if I tell you to? Will you help whoever I tell you to help? Hmm? Will you sell that collection? Will you get out of it? Will you quit doing that thing? That hobby? Doesn't mean the Lord don't want you to have any fun, but He doesn't want anything to be even remotely close to the first place in your heart. Come on, are you with me? Remember, he rebuked the, the saints in the book of Revelation. He said, you've left your first love. Back when we first got started, you loved me. You loved me with all your heart. How many can remember when you got born again? Come on, help me out. Can you remember when you got born again? Was it Jesus in the morning, Jesus at noon, and Jesus when the sun goes down? Was it Jesus is everything. He's everything. But as the years go by, you can get busy with your life and without even realizing it, 
some things have such a place in your heart that you wouldn't give them up, even if he tells you to. Anybody remember the rich young ruler? He heard Jesus teaching and preaching. He got so excited, he ran to him. He said, good master, what can I do with this eternal life you're talking about? Sounds like he's ready. I bet he's thinking, I'm I'm ready to go all the way. Tell me. He began to tell him what the word already said. He said, I've done that. I've done that from my youth. So he's a good man. He's a good man. Moral man. Good man. He said, what, what, what do I lack yet? He knew he lacked something. He said, go liquidate. <laughs> liquidate. Take care of the poor. Come follow me. You'll have treasure in heaven. And what happened? What happened? He came face to face with what he loved. With what his heart treasured. He's not asking him to take a vow of poverty. He didn't tell everybody that came to him to do that. Zacchaeus said, I'll give half. And he said, salvation's come to this man's house today. He didn't say, no, no, you got to give it all. People have made things up that Jesus said. He's not even, how many think, you sow like that? What's going to happen? Harvest. And what's he offering him? A place on his team. Travel with him. Be in meetings with him. Come on, are you with me? What an opportunity he's given him. Paul talked about an individual. He said, he's left me. He forsook me because he loved this present world. He was traveling with Paul. He's hearing these revelations before they were ever in the Bible. He's seeing miracles. And at one point he said, forget all this. I'm going to Vegas. The Vegas of the day. He loved the world. That was his heart choice. And the rich young ruler went away grieved, sad. Why? Well, you see why the Lord told him. He's not against you having anything. He put his finger on what that man loved more than he did God. And if you're going to go very far with God, the same thing will happen to you and me. It's happened to Phyllis and I several times already in these past 30 years. You get comfortable. You get some things that you were working for for years. And the Lord say, leave that. Walk away from that. Do this. You go, whoa. That's like starting over again from scratch. And, and, and you, come, you come face to face with it. I know when we'd been in, uh, you got time for another story? We'd been in uh, Tulsa for 20 years. And uh, it had taken us 15 years to believe for our house. 
and it had taken us uh, five years to believe for our, our little hangar and our aviation. We traveled, and I knew that was the way to go when you could do it. And, and the Lord dealt with us to leave everything and go to Branson, Missouri. Now, Branson, Missouri is a tiny place. 10,000 total population. And the airport that was there was 3,500 feet and had a cliff on both ends with boulders this big. Not a good place to travel. And you couldn't have your own hangar. And Phyllis had wanted for 15 years, she wanted a certain kind of a kitchen. We had it on the vision list. The year before, somebody walked up after 10 years and handed her an envelope full of money and said, I don't know why, but the Lord said, you're believing for something. And it was exactly enough to completely redo that kitchen. Oh, it was nice. All the brand new stainless stuff. And this was back 20-something years ago, but it was, it was top notch. And a year later, the Lord says, go. Leave. We've, we've built a rapport. We've built some things where you, you come face to face with what you love. One morning I shave and getting ready to go. I'm thinking about it. Is the Lord really dealing with us to leave everything? And the Lord asked me a question. He said, Keith, I don't mean to hurt a voice, but inside me, he said, do you believe I can do better for you than this? I said, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, sir. That's it. No more deliberating. Put my hanger up for sale, it sold immediately. We put this up for sale, it went. We put our house up for sale, went to a tiny little rent house that the water didn't even work right in. And lived there for a couple of years. And the Lord told me two weeks after we got there, He said, I'm going to give you the best of Branson. That's the town. He did it. He did it. We're not in that little rent house anymore. We got a house overlooking the lake. I can sit on my screen porch and look over the lake. That didn't have a decent airport. They built us an airport. They built us an airport with private money. Unheard of. Unheard of. Private money. Airplane? I got a real airplane now. I'm talking about a full gospel airplane. Our, our church building, we had, didn't have a place. Now we got 75 acres on the main strip, right in the middle of everything. They got shows on the strip. We got as good a sign as any. Don't we? Good a sign. We got a sign. Looks like a mini something from Times Square. God gave us the best of Branson. But why am I talking about it? Why am I talking about it? We came face to face. What do you love more? You love what you've built? You love your comfort? You love your security? How can you tell if you love God? Come on, help me out. Say, how can you tell? If you love God, you will do what He tells you to do. That's also 
the key to miracles. Whatever he says to you, do it and miracles happen. Why would the Lord even be talking to us about this tonight? Because he has amazing things planned for everybody in here. If you'll love him enough to turn loose and step out. Come on, somebody said out loud, by faith, faith, I say, I I do love the Lord Lord. more than myself, more than than anything, more than than anyone, anyone. and I will do do what he tells me. me. Hallelujah. He said, Peter, do you love me more than these? He said, yeah, Lord. You, you know I, I love you. What did the Lord say? Then show me. Take care of what I, what I love. First John says if you love God, you love his children. You love what he loves. He said, you love me, Peter? He said, yeah, I do. He said, feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Would it be necessary for the Lord to ask us, do do we love him? Yeah. He said, yeah, Lord, you, you know I love you. He said, feed my sheep. If you, if you do, you'll do this for me. He said to him the third time. That's how many times he denied him too, you know. Third time. Simon, son of Jonas, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. He wasn't so brass. He wasn't so braggadocious as he was the time before. Right? Right. About what he would do adamantly. He said, Lord, you know, if I don't, help me out here. But I think I do. (laughs) And the Lord's telling him how to know that he does. Feed my sheep. When people have no time for the Lord, their job, their family, the activities of their kids, their recreation takes up all their time. The truth is there's little love for the Lord there. It's just a fact. If you love Him, you'll be where He wants you to be. You'll do what He wants you to do. You'll be faithful. And when you do, you become a part of that group, our text referred to. Everything works out for the good for those that love Him. And He knows those that love Him. And He manifests Himself to those that love Him. Somebody say, by faith. faith. I do. do. Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. 
Glory be to God. Just stand on your feet. Close your eyes. Musicians and singers, would y'all come back up, please? Help us out. I want us to sing again. Oh, how I love Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Can you give me a G again, brother? Hallelujah. Don't just sing it like we're dismissing. Focus on Him. Tell Him in a renewed way. Oh, I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Because you first love me. Everybody play. Everybody sing. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Tell him I love you, Jesus. Oh, I love you, Jesus. choice 
And in this I will forever rejoice. Jesus, you're my everything. Every day and every night, everybody say, Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus, oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Jesus. When I was your enemy And you loved me When I didn't care about you But now that I know My heart is all yours And I will never Never leave you again. Is that your heart saying, said out loud? Oh, how I love Jesus. With all my heart. Oh, Come on, close your eyes. Focus on Him. Focus on Him. This life will soon be over. And who are you going to meet? <laughs> who are you going to see? Who are you going to be with? Age after age. Throughout eternity. Nobody has ever loved you. Like he loves you. Hallelujah. Sing it another time. Oh.